This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and you're listening to episode five. Today, I'm talking with Julie Vores. Julie is a fitness and nutrition coach. She is, I would say, probably one of the highest up Beachbody coaches out there. She's been with Beachbody for a decade and has grown a nine times elite superstar diamond team to over 5,000 women from around the world. We didn't talk about Beachbody a whole lot in this episode, but we talk about setting goals. We talk about getting through some challenging times as a young mother. We talk about how to speak with our children about health and fitness in a positive way. And we talk about the fact that being complacent is no way to live at all. Julie is incredibly encouraging and motivating and I could tell when I talked to her that this is where her heart is. She truly wants to change lives and she truly wants to be someone for somebody that lets them know that you have the power to change your life and you have the power to take control over your situations. I personally am very encouraged by Julie and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Julie Vores. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Julie Voris. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast, Julie. Thank you for having me. The Illuminate podcast, this is a new podcast. And uh, what we're doing is we are highlighting people who are illuminating the world around them and making a difference in the lives of others and um, who have a positive impact on people. So I would first just like kind of like love to hear your story and how you got into coaching in the business that you're in today? Sure, sure. Well, it's interesting because I usually say I fell into fitness rather than than had it as a life goal. I don't think very many people say they're going to be fitness instructors or trainers or uh, some people might say they're, they're going to be entrepreneurs. That's never where I was with my life just because I didn't see that modeled in my life. I grew up in a very small town in the Midwest with a literal cornfield in my backyard, went to a very tiny high school, went to college and sort of that very traditional dad went to work, mom stayed home. My parents were uh, much older when they had me um, rather than a surprise. I like to think of myself as a bonus, <laughs> but it was, it was a very traditional household. And, you know, I went to college, I became a high school English teacher. The, the expectation was really without being verbalized that, you know, of course I'd get married, have babies, blah, blah, blah. And somewhere along the way, I, I met a guy who had an untraditional job in football coaching and I did teach high school for quite some time. But if you're familiar at all with collegiate level coaching, no matter what the sport, it tends to be as you're trying to find your footing. And even as you grow and experience, it can be very transient. And we did tend to move a lot in the early years of our marriage. And at some point, it just becomes 
not feasible for the spouse to be outside the home working. And that's kind of where we hit. We were at that crossroads where we took, we had moved again. And we, within a year of being at a place, we had moved again. And we just decided that I was going to stay home. I was not going to teach high school. And I found myself in the year 2001 sitting on a blue bench in the Waukesha family, YMCA in Waukesha, Wisconsin, in this very tumultuous, emotional year. We had taken this job where he was a, a head, the, his first head coaching job for a program that needed serious rebuilding in a town where we knew no one. My father had just passed away from really aggressive cancer. I had had a new baby. My middle one was starting preschool. My oldest one was starting kindergarten. And it was just a lot in my life at one time. And we had joined the YMCA as a way to get to know the community, as a way for my girls to start lessons, for me to work out. And I was sitting on the blue bench in the Waukesha Family YMCA when the group exercise director sat down next to me about two months after we had joined that Y and said, you know, I've seen you come to class and I think you should start teaching. And that was a pivotal conversation, a simple and yet pivotal conversation for me. Up to that point, when we moved to Waukesha and all this outside chaos was happening in my life, every day when I got up, I would take the two oldest ones to school and if I just got to that 9.30 fitness class at the YMCA, I figured everything else in the day would work itself out. You know, I had a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety, a lot of um, just newness in my life. And if I could just get to that 9.30 class, everything else would work itself out. And that was probably the first time, even though I've always been the, the person who couldn't really sit still and always been very active, that was the first time I really started making a connection between my physical movement and my mental health and how much I needed that physical movement for clarity and patience the rest of the day. And I didn't know what was going to happen after I got to class, worked out and picked up the girls. I just figured it'll all sort itself out if I could just do that. And so when she said to me, I want you to start teaching next month, it was scary. It was new. It was surprising, but I didn't talk myself out of it because the fitness piece had been so pivotal for me. It just seemed like a natural next step. Okay, cool. I don't know anything about it, but all right, cool. We'll just figure it out. You know, I didn't know anything about being a coach's wife and I'm just going to figure it out. I didn't know anything about parenting three girls. Well, we're just going to figure it out. You want me to teach fitness? All right, cool. I'm just going to figure it out. And that's sort of how I, I go. I just kind of figure it out. And that um, conversation that probably lasted a couple minutes really changed the course of the rest of my life because that one conversation set me on a path that became for me my passion and my purpose it wasn't too long after that conversation after i had started teaching that when i woke up i thought to myself oh this was what i was supposed to be doing all along i just had to kind of go through the high school teaching and the other stuff to to get to this point and figure that out and and that's okay everyone's journey looks different but when i got to that point it was like yeah 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 fitness is is what i'm supposed to be doing and and i do believe in my heart that transformation not just physical but mental and emotional transformation can begin with fitness and what we do in our fitness what we do in our workouts can transfer into every other aspect of our life. So 
from a high school teacher grading essays to a mm-hmm. fitness instructor, master trainer, uh, teaching exercise. It's been uh, a really amazing ride. And it's cool now because my girls are all in college. We're brand new empty nesters. Yeah, and yeah it's, kind of, yeah, it's kind of strange. The energy is a little strange, um, but it's opened up this space in my brain and in my, my heart to, to go, okay, cool. What am I going to do now? And fortunately I've been building this business the last 11 years. I've been teaching group exercise the last 18 years. You know, I've, I've got some stuff in place, but all of a sudden my life feels like I've got a lot of possibility and potential in front of me now that I might not have had time for before with three busy kids and, and a husband with an extremely time intensive job. So it's been this really cool ride up to now. And I think the coolest part of it is now I've just turned the page and it's chapter two and it feels like it could get even cooler now. So it's just been, you just never know those random conversations that you think are so random or those random opportunities that you think are so random or those coincidental meetings. I don't really think any of that's coincidence. I really think that this is what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And that conversation on a blue bench was the pivot point for me to get here. Yeah. You know, it's, I I love hearing that because I, I, for some reason I have this heart for, um, people coming out of college thinking like they need to know what they're supposed to be doing with their life. And what are the odds that you graduate school or whatever you're doing in your life at the age of 22 and you actually start doing what you were meant to do? Your life experience is so small. So to hear that like you went through all that first before you found it. And I wonder too, like looking back on that time, we lost my mother-in-law a couple years ago. So we've kind of like walked through that grief process in our family as well. And, um, I've only moved once since having my first child and we've had three more since, but I know how stressful just moving across town is. So in hearing you talk about like the grief, the Mm -hmm. moving, the job changing, the being at home with little kids, like looking back now, and now that your kids are out of the house, your business is thriving. What do you think you learned from that season of hardness? I don't know how else to say it, but like how hard it was. What did you learn from that at that point in your life? I think I learned resilience. I think I learned that, you know, humans are much stronger than we give ourselves credit for sometimes. And I also learned that, and I I can learn, I, I can say this now looking back, because when I verbalize what happened in the span of about six months, if I verbalize that to you, to someone else, or to even to me, I'm like, crap, that was yeah. a lot yeah. <laughs> in a very short amount of time that someone else might just wipe them out. But I, that there's not that option, especially when you are a parent. Like you have to get up and put one foot in front of the other because you've got beautiful little souls that you've purposely brought into this world that are depending on you. So it doesn't, and I don't mean to say that your feelings don't matter, they do, but there's a bigger purpose here and your, your grief matters and, and the newness of, of life challenges matter, but there's a bigger purpose here with these little souls that you've brought into the world and you got to bring your a game because, because you purposely brought these humans in, in onto this planet and they deserve your a game. And I don't think that I allowed, and I mean that in the best possible sense, I don't think I allowed myself to spiral too far because I felt such 
responsibility, and I mean that in the best possible sense, to bring my A game for these three girls who deserved it. And I just learned that if you get up and keep continue to put one foot in front of the other, you will figure stuff out. You know, Marie Forleo's book, uh, new book that just released, mm-hmm. Everything's Figure Outable. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with that mantra because I feel like I've been saying it all my life. Well, we'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm. We'll figure it out. We're just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And we're not going to make everything so monumental in the moment, which isn't to say the loss of a parent isn't monumental or moving to a new city isn't monumental or your child starting school or having a baby isn't monumental. They are. But sometimes in the moment, just get up and put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving and just keep moving. And, And often especially women, you'll surprise yourself with how strong you are and how capable you are. And if you allow yourself to get into your head, if I would have allowed myself to get into my head and really think about all the stuff that had happened in a short span in that one year, I I could have gone downhill very fast. I didn't give myself that, that opportunity. Yeah. I had, I had three girls I needed to take care of. I had myself I needed to take care of. And, and frankly, I also thought, well, certainly my dad would not have wanted that. So let's get on about the business of, of life. And I better bring my A game for these amazing girls and let's just get on about it. And then I think as you do that and you put one foot in the front of the other and you continue to figure it out, you sort of, you work through your grief and you work through the process and you work through the newness little by little, I think sometimes we feel like everything, just like you said with college kids, like I have to grieve all at once, or Mm -hmm. I have to figure out how to have three children all at (laughs) once, or I have to figure out how to, you know, pair all at once. And no, actually you just got to figure out today and then we'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. And then you, you just keep moving forward and doing that with some intention and, and some, some vision and some purpose. And there is a moment when you look up and go, life isn't quite so hard today. I, I don't, I don't feel so, you know, hit by a truck so much today. Cause I just kept moving forward. I think the longer we sit in something, sometimes the heavier we make it, the worse it mm-hmm. gets. And, and we're just, we're really strong and we're really resilient. And all of us have a lot of gifts and a lot of strength and a lot of light to share. And I don't think when we lose someone, that person would want us to sit in some place of darkness. They would want us to share those, those gifts and that light. And so I I feel like that's probably what I learned. I don't know if I I knew that in the moment, but that's what I, I think I knew I've learned since then. Yeah. You know, I, and when, as you were just like speaking those words, I was, I was thinking about that, like figure out how to have three kids at once because I, so before I had my kids, I had a couple of miscarriages and like all of a sudden all like planning things like a family become this like, oh my gosh, I actually have no control over like what is the outcome that's going to be in five years for this. So kind mm-hmm. of just taking it one day at a time. And I, and I think about that in terms of fitness too. It's like, if I would have thought in that moment, the second I had my second miscarriage, like, will I ever have the three or the four kids that I want. Like, I can't plan that right now, but I have to stay where I'm at. And then I also think about, I'm a marathon runner. And it's like, this is such a cliche, but it's so true. Like, you can't think about how you're going to feel at mile 24 when you're mm-hmm. at mile 10, you know? Right, right. Um, and your your body will get you there if you've trained for it, but you just mm-hmm. got to stay 
where you are. I love that. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about, um, some goal setting a little bit, because I know that's a big part of, of coaching and, and I know you talk about setting goals that scare you. So talk to me about how you talk to your coaches and the people that you work with about setting goals. You know, I found that more and more, especially as my girls have gotten older, it's it's kind of a cool place that I'm in because I am older than a lot of the coaches on my team. I'm, I'm and my girls are older than a lot of their children, so it gives me some really cool uh, insight and perspective into kind of where they are because I've already walked that journey. And so, what I will say oftentimes, because oftentimes in fitness, coaches and, and instructors are female, so. I will say to them, what would you say to your children? Mm. So if your child comes home and says, I want to try out for the volleyball team and you know, it's two months from now, what would you say to that's their vision? That's their goal. What would you say to them? Would you say, no, you know what? I, you should just not have any goals or visions. Just no, you would never say that to your child. You would say, awesome. Let's put it on the calendar. Let's work to make it happen. And you'd start to make a plan around it. And what I say to the moms, especially the females, the women on my team are, why should your goals and visions be any less than your child? If you would speak that way to your child, if you would say to your child, that's awesome that you have a goal. Let's set a goal for this. Let's, let's awesome. You have a vision. You want to try out for this. You want to make this, this is your vision. And you set a plan around it to help your child. Why are you not doing that for you? Because Moms, women, humans, we all matter. Our goals and visions matter. And it's interesting how often I see women hold themselves back. And if I simply say to them, what would you say to your child if they had that? They, and they say, well, I would do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, then why would you not just be telling yourself that? Because as a, as a mom, as a female, as a human on this planet, your goals and dreams matter, period. And fortunately for me, I've had mentors in my life that have helped me see that it also helps to be married to a college football coach because what's he doing all the time? He's speaking vision and goals to the team. So we, there's a lot of that kind of conversation that happens in our household, but even if there's not, that's that kind of conversation that's happening now in your household, you can make it happen by being intentional about talking about goals and visions because you don't have to have the goal to, retire at a multi-million dollar house, but you should have a goal for your life, a vision for your life. And it's absolutely okay to be good and want to be great. Mm. It's absolutely okay to think, wow, my, I am really grateful for my life and still want more. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely okay for that. Because if you, if you don't, I think that's basic human nature. And if you're not feeling that, I think you're selling yourself short. And I think you're keeping your gifts and your strengths and your light under wraps. It almost in this weird, well, I already have so much. I don't want to ask for more. No, 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 no. You wanting more for your life, you having a goal and a vision for your life is probably going to force your gifts and light and strength out into the world. And guess what? The world needs that or you wouldn't have been given that and the world needs more of it. So if you are denying yourself that that opportunity, that vision, that thought process of setting goals, you're really being selfish about it because there's a lot of people in the world who could probably need it. And you're also then not modeling it for your children who need to see it. So fortunately I've had 
a business, a fitness, you know, classes and a business that I've been running for the past several years while I'm raising these children. And now what's cool is as they're gone, I'm looking at this next chapter of my life going, all right, now I got some time to even to set even more goals to cast a bigger vision because I've got the brain space to be thinking about it. And, and I don't want any mom to get to this chapter of their life, this empty nester chapter of their life and go, dang, I wish I would have been doing something all along. And if you are, then it's time to set some new goals. But, you know, just, just not doing that is selling yourself short. It's not modeling what you'd want your kids to do. And I think it's being selfish with the gifts that you have been given. Cause if you've been given them, there's a reason and the world needs to need, needs them. Yeah. I think people get scared. You know, it's like, and, and I like what you're saying there. It's like a disservice to not only yourself, but to the, your family yes. and the people that you can positively impact. Because if you are not seeking out what will make you live a happier, more excited life, like if you're sitting around being complacent, you're probably not going to be the nicest person in the world to the people that you live with. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and you don't no. even realize you're doing it. No, no. You know, and the question I ask my coaches sometimes and and just people in my life, I'll say, What's, what inspires you? What inspires you? What lights you up? It's interesting to me how many women can't answer that question mm. because they've stopped asking themselves, because they've mired themselves in laundry and to-do lists and and taxing their kids back and forth and they have they have cemented themselves in what their kids want in their kids goals and dreams and helping their kids achieve them that they've forgotten that their goals and dreams matter too and they don't even know what lights them up anymore and that's step one figure out in your life what makes you light up in some way is it go you know for me it's the theater. We love musical theater. We love anything live. We love concerts. We love Mm. art and and just experiences, but travel. What maybe it's taking a pottery class. Who knows what it is until you start exploring, but you need to find what lights you up. Cause that also puts you in space with other people who are excited about their life. And that helps continue to light you up, but you need to start with what inspires you so that you kind of remember that you matter and that you've got some goals and dreams that matter too. Yeah. So you mentioned your daughters a few times. And so my kids are all boys, but mm, I still, boy mom. yes, a boy <laughs> mom. And, and I'm at the very little age still. Um, but I'm, I'm still very cognizant of the language I speak about exercise Mm -hmm. Um, my husband and I are both marathon runners. My, our kids see us exercising a lot. Um, and we are very, uh, very confidently we tell them we are doing this because we enjoy it and because Mm -hmm. it makes us feel better. It makes me be a better mom, makes me work better. Um, and then also just language around body image, even though I know that body image issues don't tend to affect men as much as they do women. I still want to make sure my son never hears mom say, I feel fat today, you know? Right, right. So talk to us a little bit about the language that you've chosen as your girls were brought up to speak to them about healthy living. You know, it's a complicated issue because my children have grown up in the social media era. Yeah. So sort of like I have to, you know, they have really, they've grown up in the social media era. So there is, 
there is so much you can control and then there's a lack of what you can control. So I say control what you can control first and foremost. And that to me, it back when I was, when they were young and granted technology was maybe not as omnipresent as it is now, but I still think you can make these decisions. Uh, we didn't have technology. They didn't have iPads. They didn't have any of that. Um, we just didn't. And that was a very intentional decision. I was very intentional about movies and TV that they watched. I was very intentional about music they listened to. Any of that kind of stuff that was feeding their precious brains, I was really intentional about what that was. And if that meant they couldn't see the PG rated movie and everybody else was, that meant that they couldn't see that. I was really intentional about that. I got a lot of crap about that. And I don't, I don't care. You yeah. know, they're not anybody else's kids, but mine. Um, and so I think that it starts out with some boundaries like that instead of just going, well, it's just out there. So mm -hmm. I might as well just let them have it. No, you can control it. You're the parent. It's kind of like saying, well, my kids only will eat potato chips. Well, guess what? You're the one that goes to the store. Yeah. So putting some boundaries in, that's what parenting is. And, and, and saying no, Sometimes when it's not the most popular decision, that's what parenting is. And your kid's not liking you <laughs> for a little <laughs> while, then that's kind of what parenting is. So some of it starts with very intentional boundaries that you put around what you can control. And then there's just a lot of conversation as they start to enter into the social media world about, you know what, that's probably not the best um, role model for you to be following. Or I see that picture. I see that picture. She, yes, yeah, she's beautiful. I wonder, you know, what, or even conversations where I might say, oh my gosh, I, I just really admire Jennifer Lopez. And if they would say, why well, I'm like, because she works really hard mm. and she talks about how she works really hard. And she talks about how she really is intentional with her, her food and her workouts and her. So I really talking about the people that I find inspirational too, because of their work ethic or because of how they're raising their children or because of the art that they might be putting into the world that also helps. So you're kind of modeling for them, the kind of people that you're hoping they will find inspirational too. limiting their technology in the early stages of technology, talking about who you find inspirational, being cognizant about uh, food choices and why you're choosing it and helping them have those kinds of conversations. So will that choice fuel you through, mm -hmm. um, you know, this ballet class or this or that, Oh, you're cranky today. It's my, maybe it's not hormones. Maybe you haven't eaten enough today. Let's let's, you know, I'm really trying to help them make some connections between what they put in their body and how they feel. And did they, eat ice cream that night and they didn't really feel very good. Well, let's make a connection between that. Okay. You didn't feel very good after you ate that big bowl of ice cream. Why is that? Okay. It's because I had this and this maybe dairy doesn't sit and trying to really just be very uh, unemotional kind of about it. Cause women are so emotional about food that the more unemotional, I think we can be in those conversations, the more it helps them make better choices when they're out on their own and just continuing to say, okay, well, you want to, sing well you know that dairy's probably not going to do well for you like it's a performance-based choice it's a it's an activity-based choice it's not an aesthetic based choice and having that conversation yeah i love that i've been talking to my boys about like oh like 
eating food for fuel. Like it's, yes. it's okay to eat food because it tastes good too. Like yes. it's like, it's yeah. great to enjoy some ice cream, but like what we're putting on our bodies is what's fueling us to get through the day and feel our best selves. And, right. um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, and we're not going to get it right all the time. I mean, certainly no, I'm, for I sure. mean, I'm certainly guilty of, you know, looking at, you know, putting on a swimsuit after a few months and going, well, this is not going to work for me today. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm sure my girls have heard that. So, and you can't control every media image and message that's out there. You cannot as a human, you just can't. So you just have to control what you can control, be willing for it to be inconvenient for you as a parent, if you didn't want to be inconvenienced, probably shouldn't have had children. So you've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. <laughs> you got to be willing to have, you got to be willing to have hard conversations. And you have to be willing to set boundaries around situations, circumstances, people, all of that to to foster the right kind of info that's going into these little heads and hearts that are are so open and so, you know, malleable. We we want them to be filled and fueled with amazing positive thoughts and and we can get to control a lot of that dialogue if we are very intentional about it yeah you know when you bring up the you know like you haven't made every perfect decision like you've stood in the mirror and said maybe said that I wonder as a mother of kids that are now out of the house how do you reconcile those things? And I say that because I'm like, I think of even now, I mean, I'm thinking of a specific instance yesterday where I just lashed out on my son because I was angry and I definitely mm -hmm. could have handled it way different. And then I kind of carry around this, like not embarrassment, but just like, I guess it, I guess the best word is guilt. Like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. I'm so, and like, what if something happened to me tomorrow and that's what he remembered from mm -hmm. the day, you know? So how do you kind of reconcile that stuff now that your kids are out of the house? Well, why don't, why would you not just have a conversation with him? Yeah. And you I, know? and I do apologize. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, oh my gosh, mommy should not have, have acted that way. I'm so sorry, but still it like sits heavy, you know? Uh, that's called being human. <laughs> that's just being human. And thank you. Uh, women just carry around an enormous amount of stuff in their life that um, that mm. is of no service yeah. to us. It doesn't help us be better. So carrying around guilt about that doesn't make me be a better parent, mm. but being cognizant of how I could have handled it better or what I could have said and done differently helps me make a better decision in the future. Talking to them, I used to say to my oldest daughter, you know, I've never parented a 13 year old and you've never been 13. Mm. So the chances of us screwing this up, it's really, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> we're, we're high on the, on the ranking of probably not getting this right. And, you know, as long as I always felt like, as long as I said that, mm. or as long as I said, I, I don't know why I don't want you to do that activity. It just doesn't sit right with me. I'm just not comfortable with it. She would go, Okay. It, rather than because I said so or what, you know, so I, I tried to learn from, you know, quite honestly, some of the stuff that my mom did that I didn't like yeah and take that into what was happening with me and my girls and go, okay, how, how are we going to, how am I going to do this differently? How am I going to approach this differently? How can I be more empathetic? How can I be, um, a little more understanding at the same time, still being the parent, I'm not your friend, we're the parent. But what's cool about it now is now we get to have more of a friendship. 
So now if they bring up, you know, something that I did or said, or they did or said, or whatever, you know, the, the infamous haircutting incident that happens many, many years ago, when we talk, you know, when we bring up those, we can, we have a little bit more of a dialogue around and I'll go, and I can say, well, you know, I probably thought that because of how this happened when I was growing up and it, maybe it wasn't the best way to handle it. And I just didn't know any better. And, but maybe now you will. And so it's kind of cool when your kids get to be grownups because, you could have those conversations around, yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do a very good job of that. So take that and figure out how you could do a better job. Cause that's really the point is you want your kids to do and be better than you in some way, you know, it should just continue that, that cycle, that legacy. So having conversations, I just feel like the more conversations, the more transparent yeah. you can be, the better everybody is, which is not always easy, but you know, parents feel like, especially women, we feel like we're supposed to get it right all the time. I don't know why. And then we're supposed to never admit if we don't get it right. I don't know why. Why? I mean, how are we supposed to learn from each other? And whatever made us think that we knew what we were doing when we became <laughs> parents? I don't know. But chances are we don't. And chances are we're going to make a lot of mistakes. And chances are if we remember that the goal is to help these amazing humans go out into the world and be happy and healthy and productive and follow their passions and follow their dreams. And even when we don't get it right, knowing that conversations around not getting it right are probably going to help more than carrying around guilt. Yeah. The guilt lasts a whole lot longer than just the conversation. So if you just go to your kid and go, okay, I was, I completely mishandled that. I don't even know why. Maybe I haven't eaten for a while or I'm just really in a bad mood about something else. I took it out on you. I'm really sorry. Can you help me not do that again? You know, and I would say to the girl sometimes, I just need quiet for a moment. And I'm telling you that I'm not, I'm in a, Mm. you know, grumpy mood for some reason. I need quiet for a moment. I always felt like the more reasons I gave them very honest reasons, the more receptive they were to that. You know, if I just say, can you guys just be quiet? Well, that's just me telling them to do something. But if I said, listen, I'm kind of having a bad day. Can can we just be quiet just for a minute and let me sort of work through some stuff in my head? 99% of the time, they were more quiet than if I would have just told them to be quiet. So I think more conversation, the better. Yeah, I love that. I want to talk about Beachbody because that's what you do and it's your, that you coach how many people do you like? How many people are on your team? A lot. Thousands. <laughs> Thousands. <laughs> Thousands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Tell me. Okay. I have a lot of questions, but tell me how has Beachbody <laughs> changed your life? <laughs> that is a, that's <laughs> so a, simple, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, that's funny because whenever we have, we have a, a weekly call for all the coaches in the network. And whenever you get asked to speak on this national call, it's a big deal. And they would always ask you at the very end, you know, how has Beachbody changed your life? And I've been um, blessed enough to speak on that call a couple of times. And every time I think I, I can't even articulate the ways that it has changed my life because it's so thorough and so complete from the fitness and the nutrition. Awesome. But it's the, the mental aspect of the culture in this business, the, the culture and the mindset around service and about 
being your best self and becoming your best self and fitness and nutrition might be sort of the platforms that we're on, which I think are monumental catalysts for becoming our best self, but being in space with other people who want to be their best self, that is rare and life-changing because no one wants to, no one wants to be complacent. And we all feel this great pull to serve others with these products and programs that have changed our lives. We have figured out as Beachbody coaches that health and fitness doesn't have to be so hard. And millions and millions and millions of people haven't figured that out. And we've got these incredible tools that can help you dial in your nutrition a little bit if that's what you need. Have some at-home fitness if that's what you need. Have some community if that's what you need. Have some income earning potential if that's what you need. We've got these tools that can change your life in so many different ways. And then you get in community with other people who want to serve other people. And it's life transforming because suddenly there's this passion and this purpose and you see people who who want to do more and be more with their lives and you're in that space with them and it completely changes everything, it changes your mindset. It changes your, your, your mental space. And then, you know, on the aesthetic side, it changes you're more fit and healthy. Well, if you're more fit and healthy, you're just happier. It just is what it yeah. is. No, it's so, true. It's totally true. Uh, it's, it's changed us completely. My, my girls have opportunities in their lives now because of this business that never would have been present without without this business and their lives are different because of this business. Their children's lives will be different because of this business because I'm different, because they're different. Their children's lives will be different. They're it's such a transgenerational business when you dive into health and fitness and relationships and mindset that it the ripple effect, it, you can't even fathom it. So how has it changed my life? In, every way possible. Yeah. And I think that that's true for any kind of entrepreneur too. Like the transgenerational transformations that you're talking about. It's like my kids see me running this like podcasting business and this network that I'm launching. Like they see that and they see mom working hard at something Mm -hmm. she believes in and that she's passionate Mm -hmm. about now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Debunk some of this for me. There's some negative talk about MLMs and I have friends that do Beachbody and they're like, Beachbody's different why does this business model feel right to you? And just kind of share a little bit about that. I, you know, it's, it's probably different for me because I started 11 years ago. So I have deep personal relationships with my corporate mentors and I have insight into their heart and their passion. And I have watched this corporation donate millions Mm. and millions to right now a homeless fund in LA because that's where we're based. (laughs) I have watched this, this corporation donate to veterans, to um, hurricane victims, to, to take care, taking care of its coaches when spouses have been lost, when children have been lost. I, it is a relationship business Mm. And, and I've never seen or experienced anything like the people that are, are part of this business. Because if you are part of this business, you are drawn to making a difference in such a deep, deep way 
because it's health and fitness, the hardest pieces of life for most people. It's not, and I, and I, I say this because I, I mean, entrepreneurship, go, do it, do it, do it. But you know, it's deeper than your house smelling good or a lip gloss. And I like all those things. Mm-hmm. I, I want a lot of lip gloss, <laughs> I want my house to smell good. But it's so much deeper than that because health and fitness is so hard for people that when you dig in and create those relationships and connections and you truly help them understand that, yep, they can actually do one more squat. And if they can do one more squat, they can probably be a little more patient with their kids. And if they're a little more patient with their kids, they might have a little more happiness in their marriage. And then if they make a little money by sharing this, they might not be so stressed at the end of the month and they could put gas in their car. And then that makes them be happier, kinder people in the world. And that leads to better relation. And it just, it all starts with one more squat in your basement. And to know that you can have that kind of ripple effect on someone's life is, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And yeah, I love that. Yeah. When you think about not being a part of it, I, I, I don't understand someone who doesn't want to be a part of something that can, I mean, we, as I, I always say, you know, don't make it so big, don't make it so weighty. And at the same time, like you can change the world with this because it's fitness and health and it's nutrition and it's relationships and it's connectivity and it's community and it's tribe. I mean, we can literally change the world with it at the same time. We're just doing a squat and a lunge and a push up in your, in the basement. Yeah. I, I mean, Every person on the planet feels better when they take care of their body. Like that. Absolutely. That is, there's no denying that. And I, I love what you've said before too, because I know the cool thing, it, it is so cool that you jumped into this, like before, you know, the world of Instagram and all that. And like, I love that what you've said before is, uh, social media will never replace human connection. No, it's so true. And and I love, I love me some Instagram a lot. I love it, but I don't love it as much as the two hours I spent with three of my coaches today, hanging out Mm -hmm. in, you know, their sunroom and just talking about our business and talking about plans and talking about events that we can create and just connecting as much as I love Instagram, I don't love it as much as that. I don't, as much as I love social media, I don't love it as much as showing up at a live event and, and hugging my coaches and looking at them in the eye and going, you can do this, you know, and transfer, transferring this deep belief that I have into them. I, I like Instagram, but I don't love it as much as that. So as humans or pack animals, we're always going to want to be with others. Yes. That's so true. Okay, Julie, this podcast came from a supper club that uh, my friends and I do, and we we thought of this show. And um, so one thing we ask all of our guests is, do you have a favorite recipe? I know you <laughs> want to say Shakeology. No, here's what I'm asking <laughs> you. you. If you knew me, you would know what a silly question that is because <laughs> I hate to cook. I hate it. I hate it. And that is a... a a process I had to go through as a young married person and then young mom is okay. I actually don't like to cook. So what was your solution? How, how are we going to work this out? Um, some of it I had to do some of it. I, I hired out, you yeah. know, you have a food service. Uh, I would go to whole foods. Um, I just, you know, again, 
I figured it out along the way so that no one in my house has ever gone hungry, <laughs> but I don't really like to cook. But right now, this very moment, I am loving this. I call it my Disney salad because we found it at the, um, flower and garden show at Epcot a couple of years ago. And I scoured the internet until I could find the <laughs> recipe for it. And it's just like salad with goat cheese and cranberries. It's not anything, but when I eat it, it reminds me of Disney. So I love it. <laughs> that is wonderful. I know I'm the same way. My husband's the cook in our family. And I always say, well, maybe when like I have this kind of kitchen or maybe when this works out, <laughs> maybe when I have an hour before dinner, I'll like it. And I, he's like, Lindsay, you just don't like to cook. You could know it's, it's okay. Just admit it. It's okay. It's okay. It's just okay. <laughs> okay. What's something you're loving right now in your life? Um, I'm loving, I've, I've been reading several books that I'm loving right now. If we're talking about kind of personal development situation, I am, there's a book called stories that stick by Kendra Hall, which is all about storytelling, which I don't care if you're in business or not humans tell stories yeah. and telling stories is the best way that we can communicate. So I'm loving this book stories that stick. I'm loving the Marie Forleo book. Everything is figure outable. Um, I am loving the possibility of teaching cycle, which I have not done for years and years and years. Uh, I used to teach cycle. I kind of got away from it and focused more on kickboxing and stuff. So I'm loving the possibility teaching cycle. I am loving the possibility that I might start my own podcast. I and... was thinking that when I was prepping for this, I was like, I wonder if she's thought about starting a podcast. She should do a really good job. Um, I'm, I've been, I'm loving the idea of that because now again, I have brain space to think about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just sort of loving the idea of having some space in my head to entertain some possibilities and options that I haven't been able to in the past. That is awesome. Yes, I was thinking that. Um, I was like, I wonder if that's going to be a thing in her life. So <laughs> we'll see. We I love see. that you brought that up. If you ever have podcasting questions, let me know. Okay. Um, who is someone in your life that is illuminating the world around them? I really enjoy, this is a random, but I really enjoy following Melanie Whalen, who's the CEO of SoulCycle. Oh, I have really enjoyed listening to her because I love the idea of building culture and community and tribe. That is just everything to me. And I love to listen to people talk about how they've done it or how they're doing it. And I have been listening to a lot of podcasts with her in it because I think what SoulCycle does uh, is very much what Beachbody does, but I like to hear it from a different voice. You know, how are you building culture and community and connectivity in a world that um, feels so unconnected and disconnected so sometimes? And so I've really been loving listening to her talk about what they're doing at SoulCycle and then trying to figure out how I can do some of that in my own life. I love that. Learning from other people doing mm -hmm. similar lines of work. I, I People underestimate what they can learn from those in their industry and also in an industry just kind of that's like theirs. Yes. Okay, Julie, last question. What is your one message you'd like to send to the world? I would say chances are very good that you are much stronger than you think you are and that you have every capability already inside you to figure it out. Thanks so much for tuning in today, everybody. Thanks, Julie, for coming on the show and sharing your story. You can find Julie on social media. She is Julie Voris. 
J-U-L-I-E-V-O-R-I-S. You can find the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram. We're the Illuminate Podcast. And you can also find more information on our website, theilluminatepodcast.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we would appreciate it so much if you would hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, give it a share on social media. Thanks again for being here today and we'll see you next time on the Illuminate Podcast.